Hey there, welcome back to the Northwest Audio Podcast, Midweek Formation, where we give you some supplemental content to take your formation beyond Sunday morning. My name is Nick, I'm the community pastor here at Northwest, and I'm here with our lead pastor, Luke. Today, we're continuing our conversation on becoming a person of love, this time focusing in on what it means to love your neighbor. Every time I hear that intro, I feel like we're about to do something just so big. <laughs> like, I feel like I'm about to jump <laughs> off of a... Uh, when I hear that intro, I picture myself like on a snowboard. I'm about to do this big drop in from like backcountry snowboarding. I've never been snowboarding like this, before. There's like this hype song that goes along with the video reel. Okay. Yeah. 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 Oh, it's like the, 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 um, the GoPro uh-huh. videos that they yeah. play at like Best Buy as like the ads. Honestly, dude. And it's just the guy going yes. down this crazy mountain. It, okay. The word I was, the word that was missing was like epic. When Ooh. I hear that intro, it feels like we're about to do something epic. So it feels really like it feels really bait and switch to know that we're about to let all of our people down. Like, <laughs> I'm just kidding. We are not going to do that because this podcast is epic. It is so epic. It's so epic because we're better. talking about Jesus. Yes, it's way better than a snowboard drop in. Yes, we're talking about Jesus, the good stuff. Uh, so just a quick recap. Uh, we're in this posture of saying, I want to be formed into the likeness of Jesus. Okay, so that's where we're at, midweek formation, um, which we have best defined um, as becoming a person of love, um, which is so timely because on Sunday, Luke, you talked about uh, building a culture of love. And if you haven't listened to that message, go back, listen to it. It was very good, spot on, keeps the main thing, the main thing. Um, Luke, do you just want to like share just like a quick snippet of that? Yeah, before sure. We keep going. No, I appreciate the word of encouragement, man. Well, uh, you know, First Corinthians chapter thirteen is a pretty famous book, uh, or rather, I guess, chapter of the Bible. I mean, it's it's been used for wedding ceremonies for generations and generations. I love using it in weddings. I know. Sue me. I I, I don't want to because Paul talked about lawsuits in the book of First Corinthians, so <laughs> I'm not going to do that. That's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh but yes the value of first corinthians 13 really can't be overstated because love really is that distinguishing yeah. variable for the church that that's kind of what makes the church church mm. like otherwise like without love we're kind of like playing house you know what I'm saying? Like when we were kids, we'd play like yeah. house sometimes. You're just playing church. You're just playing church. But it's not real. But it's not That's real. That's a great analogy. Because the, the world can get organized. The right. world can put on sweet events. The world can actually serve the poor just yeah. fine. Yeah. The world can do most of what the church can do, but they cannot do it in Jesus's name because they don't know Jesus. So the church can serve the poor. The church can organize events. The church can um, do uh, building projects overseas. The ch- But... The distinguishing variable for the church is really that self-sacrificial love. Mm. And that is how God has expressed himself to us, is love, by giving us his son Jesus. That yeah. costs something, man. Yeah. Like, I cannot, I mean, just even saying that makes my frame, like, tremble. Yeah. Just the thought of the cost of God giving his son Jesus to the world yeah. for the sake of the world. To, to suffer a horrible death, but then resurrect from the yeah. grave. Well, and then so, even Jesus as an individual holding that same love and then enduring the cross, like enduring the very cost that was set, like 
that is just an unreal love. I, I, I heard this once that, um, you never graduate from Jesus loves me. You know, I, like I the, read that on the, your notes. Yeah. I love that thought. It's it's like a, you know, a kindergarten, a super little kid song of Jesus loves me. But like, we think of that as like, we've graduated to, um, deeper and more complex theology. Uh huh. But that is, that is just like, that is so wrong. Yeah. Yeah. Because you should never graduate from Jesus loves me. This I know for the Bible tells me so. Yeah. It, it almost kind of makes you wonder like, God forbid, either one of us uh, meet Jesus earlier than maybe, you know, a full, long, healthy life. But I can't help but wonder, like, in my last breaths, mm. you know, what I would be reflecting on beyond Jesus really loves me, man. That's yeah. so cool. Like, am I going to really be ruminating about complex theological matters yeah. that are more dogmatic than anything else? No. no. It's just the love of Jesus. The love of Jesus seems to be so satisfying and so centering and so anchoring. Yeah. And that the First Corinthians chapter 13 uh, treatment of the word love was was basically Paul's like plea to the Christians in Corinth to say like y'all are so disunified, you are so fragmented, you're all fighting over things, you have really crappy theology, you don't see any value in the resurrection. There's all these pursuing people, sleeping with your stepmom, getting drunk at communion, so forth and so on. Isn't it interesting? that Paul's basically theme in the book of 1 Corinthians is is unity fueled by love. Mm. And so the walk of faith is a walk of somehow your needs are more important than mine. Even if my flesh and all external circumstances say otherwise. Yeah. Somehow... Because Jesus loves me, this I know, I love you because Christ first loved me. I'm going to sacrifice my interests for your interests. That self-sacrificing sacrificing posture, what Jesus did for us. Mm. Yeah. I just, I just love that. I love uh, that within that, like love is, is the center. You know what I mean? Like you don't, you don't like separate from that. Um, I, I was listening to a sermon, um, from pastor and author Tyler Staten. Um, and he said this baller quote, um, that I just had to use. Um, he says the aim and destination of our spiritual journey is not balance or a personal sense of peace or even character formation, not as an end in itself, at least, but it is to become love. The humbling gauge of spiritual formation is, am I becoming a person of love to the people who know me best and interact with me most? And it's like, I mean, I feel like that's just a great tie-in even to the love your neighbor of just like the people around you, do they think of you as a, as a sacrificing, a, a, um, a sacrificial love type of person um, in the same way that, you know, that Jesus is love. You know what I mean? Like if we are going to be following Jesus, becoming like Jesus, then we need to be becoming the kind of love that Jesus is. Um, that kind of self-sacrificial that you were just talking about. And it's like, I just, it's so simple. I, that, that word kept echoing in my mind on, on Sunday morning, just through that whole message and through the whole worship set, even of just like, it's so simple. Yeah. And, and, and leave it to us to overcomplicate I know. Right, and over, overthink it. Teaching God's church about love and and spending really long 
amounts of time in scripture reflecting on God's love, especially what scripture has to say about love. It's, there's almost like a, a level of submission and acceptance someone has to have for this topic because of what culture in the world has done to that word love. Mm. And I'll be honest, like, I don't love (laughs) teaching about love, not because I don't agree with the value of it being this central distinguishing variable of the church, but because of how just difficult it is to divorce from culture's definition of love. Mm. It's almost like it's so hard to... For me personally, too, it's so hard for me to agree with God's definition of love over my experience of love. Wow. Because often experience of love is really just chemistry, right? Like, you know, yeah. like seriously, though, funny story. Ash and I always say this to each, to each other. Boy, I love you a lot more than I like you right now. <laughs> and she knows she says that to you a lot. She says that to me more than I yeah. say that to her, which is fair. <laughs> the point there being... Uh, is that chemistry is not love, right? And that and and your hormones working properly is not love. Yeah, but that's what the world and culture says it is, right? And so your experience of love is actually probably not commensurate to God's definition of love. And so when I think about teaching love, or even learning from Jesus and me, like personally, Luke accepting God's definition of love. There's almost like a, all right, I know this is the best mm. thing for me. Yeah. And then you you find out that love truly never fails. Yeah. And you find out that when God calls you to be a person of love, we've way overcomplicated it. We'll say, well, what does that mean? What is, you know, what does it mean? To, to be a person. What does it mean to love somebody else? And like, dude, all you have to do is replace the word love. This is the cool part, like praying scripture. You can like replace a word with yeah. your name. So like Luke is patient. Luke is kind. Yep. Luke, mm. and, and that would be the goal because yeah, if the, God if those is things, patient, but God is kind. If those things aren't true, then make them true. Then love is absent, <laughs> then love is absent yeah. from your life. Yeah. And so that's my little tactical strategy for anyone who's like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't know what to do with the subject of love. Go back into 1 Corinthians 13. And replace mm. your name with the word love and you'll understand the goal. Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. It, similarly, um, I mean, spoiler alert, I guess, but after after we're done in this whole little little section of becoming a person of love, we're going to be talking about the fruits of the spirit. And It's like you planned that or something, man. It is like I planned that. Um, and you could, I think, uh, when it comes to formation, a good goal is also to put your name into that of like, um, am, am I joyful? Am I peaceful? Am I patient? Am I, am I, am I all of those things? Um, and if I don't exhibit those things, then like that, that becomes then a prayer of God develop those things in me. Um, and oftentimes God will develop those things, especially love, um, within the community, you know? And so this is even a call for us that if you want to be developed in love, if you want to be developed and formed into the likeness of Christ, that happens in community. Um, 
you know, people always say like, oh, I asked God to uh, give me patience and he gave me people that I need to be patient with. You know what I mean? Like, like suddenly I'm in finding myself in, in these situations. It's like, oh, be careful what you wish for. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> um, but I feel like that's true to an extent of like, if you want to learn how to love, the best way to do it is to be in a community where there are people that are hard to love. Yeah. And now you need to learn how to do that. Um, and like you said, in our own definition of love, I think we also, we really think of love as like affection, just affection. Sure. Um, and it's like, how can we even go beyond that? You know, because Jesus seems, seems to think that love is not even just like what I, what I do towards you, but also how I view you in my own head and in my own mind and in my own heart. And so, I mean, I even said this, um, in the, the heart message a while back, I had said like, you know, the goal isn't just to be nice to your neighbor and to be nice to the people that are around you, but it's to like literally have a heart change about the way that you view them. Like deep down in your heart of hearts to be like, I love them because I view them as God views them. Yeah. Like to go beyond just the, the, the superficial, I won't talk, I won't say anything mean to their face. I'll just wait till I walk away and then I'll just be like, I hate them so much. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> that's not love. That's not, no. that's not the love that Jesus was talking about. It's not like Jesus went to the tax collector's house, was super kind to him and all these things. And then walked out of the house. He's like, oh, thank God that's over. I hate that guy. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, it's so true. It's love is really, um, backed up by action. You know, yeah. it's, it's, it's hard to prove that you love someone. Yeah. It's, it's like, cause it's not a feeling, right? right? Cause it's not chemistry. Yeah. But if you say you love someone, uh, th the proof of that is the action right. of sacrifice. It, yeah. Um, have you ever heard of a, there's a Danish theologian named Soren Kierkegaard. I love him. You like, okay. Love that guy. So anyone that does not know this, so it's really, he's a, a Danish philosopher, Danish theologian. He was also a poet. Um, he wrote this book called Works of Love. Okay. I've not read it. And I've, I've read through some of it. Soren Kierkegaard is extremely difficult to read. Yes, okay? he is. I have, I have one of his books. It's very dense. It's, it's almost like, it's almost humorous how difficult he is to read. <laughs> how many, how many big words can you put in one oh, sentence? It's, <laughs> it's, it's almost like painful, but you know that there's like, some gold somewhere. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I was actually reading works of love in preparation for last Sunday, trying oh, awesome. to find something good that I could share with mm -hmm. everybody. Well, I failed. I couldn't find anything good. Um, <laughs> and um, until, until there was this moment where I was reading uh, his treatment of literally first Corinthians chapter 13 mm. in his book, um, works of love. And he takes multiple pages with massively complex thoughts, philosophical thoughts, much much of which I thought thought, thought were really hard to understand. Yeah. Um, and then out of nowhere, in the middle of this page, in the middle of this chapter, out of nowhere, all of a sudden he speaks super clearly and he goes, love, well, is essentially a sacrifice. And then he goes right back on to this <laughs> super complex, overly philosophical, poetic thoughts. That was and for I'm the like, person who can't understand. <laughs> I'm like, where'd that come from? And it, it was so indicative of just like, sometimes we overthink it, right? Sometimes we make it way more complicated than it has to be, mm. right? 
it's not that love isn't deep and expansive mm. and sacrifice, but love is essentially sacrifice. Yeah. Um, by this, we will know God's love. Yeah. That he sent his son to die on the cross. It cost God something. And in, in our lives, Nick, it is just so easy for us to say, I love you, man. Yeah. Or, hey, I love this. Or, no, I do love that person. And and maybe we're well intending, but love is is backed up with, with cost, with sacrifice. Yeah. yeah. I sacrifice nothing by loving Soren Kierkegaard. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly because he's dead. <laughs> I can't yeah. sacrifice anything. <laughs> no, you cannot. You cannot. It's, How unfortunate. It's so unfortunate. <laughs> but to your to your to your point here, um, you know, the next thing on your notes here is talking about Chris Dunbar's message a few weeks back mm-hmm. about who is my neighbor. Yeah. And it got me thinking about uh something I heard at a conference last spring. Uh a pastor author, Portland based. His name is Jay Pathick, and wrote this book called The Art of Neighboring. And he talks about his understanding of the lawyer that Jesus is sharing about of like, who's my neighbor, who's my neighbor. Right. And he probably would have like, he was making fun of, he's like, yeah, if it was a lawyer that was trying to figure out who the neighbor was, he would have been trying to find the loophole. Like, right. Yeah. What is even, what is, what does neighbor even mean? What is that word? Neighbor. Do I have to love these people? Like, yeah. Like (laughs) who can I not love? What is a neighbor? Yeah. (laughs) And, (laughs) and, you know, everyone should go back and listen to Chris Dunbar's message on, on, you know, literally just knowing your neighbor's name and loving on them and praying for them. Anyhow, I, I just, man, I think it's so important that if we're going to be, people of self-sacrifice, people of love, becoming a person of love, it's becoming a person of sacrificing to God and sacrificing to your neighbor. And can I just confess, I don't like neighbors. (laughs) I know. Well, you know what's funny about that? Your neighbors are your parents, dude. (laughs) Bonnie, Bonnie, I hope you're listening to this. (laughs) They They are one neighbors to myself. Your other neighbors are like your brother. <laughs> no, they're further south. But yes, there is a whole slew of Edgertons on the same road. That's true. <laughs> but my neighbors to the north, I, I I almost like, I don't, I think I, I dislike the concept of neighbors more than I actually don't like neighbors. Mm. It, it's probably because the value of privacy runs so deep mm. and it's, it's a root that the Lord has to rip out yeah. because it's not kingdom culture. Wow. That's American culture. Yeah. Well, you Privacy are, you are very, American you're culture. very secluded in your, your in property. My, yes. Which we, I, I love it. I, I wish that I was more secluded in my property, which goes to show, like it proves your point totally. is that I'm not very secluded on mine. I live in the suburbs. I live in a neighborhood where I just like, I walk out my back door and I look over and I see everyone's yards. Um, yep. And I, part of me, like coming from California where everyone has a fence up, I like hate it. I'm like, I can't stand the fact that I can see people and they can see me. Like, right. I wish I had a place like Luke where I just no, walk out and, and all I see are trees and I don't like, see anybody else. I'm so blessed to have some space and to have trees. And yes, it's, it's beautiful, but it really is like a physical representation of a spiritual reality inside many mm. of us that has to be corrected. Wow. Right. The, the reality is, is that many of us overvalue privacy. Yeah. 
And, and honestly, man, like I'm an introvert. I, I mean, honestly, privacy privacy is a, is a default value of mine. I don't have to think about it. I am just a private person. Yeah. But because I'm a private person, because I'm I'm a very introverted person, God has to take out of me and rip away and strip away th- those values that are lowercase v that are mm-hmm. not kingdom cultural values. Yeah, a kingdom cultural value is being able to engage with your neighbor. And here's the funny story, Nick. I cannot believe this is happening right now. Guess who is moving to my north? My neighbor is moving. I never got to know her that well. I wish I had. But she moved in about the same time we started having kids. So talk about very little time to interact and socialize. She's moving. I found out that she was moving the other day. And she and I got to talking. And I'm like, hey, what are you doing with your mower? She goes, uh, well, I don't know yet. And I'm like, well, I'd love to make you an offer on it. We don't have a mower. I'm always borrowing my dad's to the south. I, I kind of need a mower. I'm happy to look at it. And maybe if the price is right, I could buy your mower off you. She goes, oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be great. So, I, you know, I went over there. I test rode her mower. Uh, we got to talking for a little bit. And now I'm going to buy my neighbor's mower. And I got to know my neighbor better in about a hmm. one hour span of talking about a mower than having lived next to her for seven years. And I regret that. I wish I had a second chance Oof. to get to know my neighbor better. Man, dude. But that's... the value of privacy is so misplaced. Yeah. And so over, it's too powerful. It needs to be ripped out of the human spirit. If yeah. you are a follower of Jesus, you have a personal relationship with God, not a private one. Mm. And it is incumbent upon us to be people of sacrificial love, which means that your life is going to feel like an airplane ride. You're going to be inconvenienced. You're going to be cramped. You're going to smell things you don't want to smell. You're going to be interrupted in ways you don't want to be interrupted. But by God's grace, uh, that's what kingdom culture looks like sometimes. Sacrificial love. You're sacrificing the comfort. Yeah. Um, Sorry, man. I didn't mean to like dominate the mic, bro. That was much needed. That was a much needed tangent. I honestly... Dude, that's such a real... Th- Let's just like sit on that for a little bit. I feel like that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, that's hopefully just, that's my just, vulnerability just, begets some further well, vulnerability yeah, I mean, in people's I just, hearts. I just feel like that's so important for us because that's that's real. I can't that's be the so only real. one that, there, you're that not overvalues the only one. privacy. No, no, that is such a, a, um, a value that we hold close, not even just of privacy, but of like um, reservation and like like holding back from from moving outwards, um, especially when it comes to our neighborhood, you know, and the people that live near us. Like we just we have this weird thing where we like don't go to people. You know what I mean? Um, and I yeah. was even listening to a, another a, another sermon um, from from Tyler Staten this today. Um, it was a different sermon, and he I, he had talked about the neighbor. He oh, this is so crazy. He literally talked about he was like I pass. You know, he, he rode his bike to church. Um, uh, so Portland, um, but he, he rode his bike and he's like, I passed all these different people. Um, and if you put them in a lineup and I would they'd be my neighbor because I live near them. Obviously I'm, I'm, I passed them by. He's like, but if you put them all in a lineup tonight, I wouldn't be able to like oh, man. point them out. And it's like, that so was just real. for me, a convicting thing of like, man, I'm, we live in, a pretty populated place, you know, not the most populated, but a fairly populated place of like, you know, the North side of Indy or, or Indianapolis for some of you listening, but like, there's a lot of people around here. There's a lot of people. And it's like, what, you know, the name of like one of your neighbors, 
like that that's got to be convicting of just it like man am i am i stepping out like are the people around me like in in not just my my sphere of like the, the circles i run with but like my geographic location are the people that live around me within like a, a mile radius or a half mile radius even like do do they know me as a person of love they can they can they can if we are intentional enough we they can and whoever is moving in after my neighbor moves she moves in two weeks yeah they're they're listening I have, right now <laughs> i <laughs> i have a i have a i have a second chance yeah i have a fresh opportunity to love my neighbors well mm. and that is just so convicting and i'm grateful for that conviction that's a gift from the holy spirit yeah and i cannot be the only one that overvalues privacy for the wrong reasons yeah. and so when I think about love, I think about all of the ways that Jesus was inconvenienced dude, and sacrificed yeah. himself. He for, was so inconvenienced. He was interrupted all the time. And all the time. I remember Ethan a few weeks back calling, uh, you know, he, you know, he said something to the effect of like, uh, he wanted to call out four demons, the demons of, mm. of, um, comfort, the demon of more, the demon of, um, um, demon of comfort, demon of more. Demon of mine and demon of convenience. And yeah. I remember thinking to myself, like, yeah, you're absolutely right. That yeah. is all, those are all facilitated by demonic activity. Yeah. For sure. You know, it's funny. I actually was convicted of this very thing when I, when we moved into our house, um, bought a house in February. We move in and shout out to my neighbor, Tammy. Come on, Tammy. Uh, come I on. Hope you're listening. Come on, Tammy. Um, she is, you know, I'm a pastor. And so, in my mind, I hold myself at this standard of like, I got to be doing this, you know, whatever. But for some reason, sometimes that like doesn't, that standard doesn't um, stay there when you go home. It's almost mm. like when you get home, like you like take it off. Mm. And it, like, that's so, in my mind, that's so messed up. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the place that you should be the most loving, the most, yeah. you know, like to your family, to your spouse, like, oh my goodness. Um, but I was so convicted because I, I'm at my house. And she shows up to our house and she offers us a gift and she's like, welcome to the neighborhood. This is my daughter. This is my other daughter's not here. You'll see us around. Super glad you're here. She tells us a bunch about the neighborhood, tells about different, she's like, that's their name. That's their name. They go here, they're doing this, they're doing this, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes home and I'm like, huh, that was a lot. You know, like I just got a lot of information, you know, and it's just crazy how she has been more of Jesus to me as just a, per like she she goes to a local church in Westfield um, and she isn't like, you know, a pastor. She's not doing that. Like she works at Westfield high school and yet she was more Jesus to me than I have been to her. Mm -hmm. And I was just convicted of this. Like, like she was just making dinner outside and she's like, Hey, do you want some dinner? I was like, why? Yes, I do. How did you know? Like that was like, you know, and, and wow. we hadn't made dinner yet. We were going to do leftovers oh. and she was like, Hey, can I make you like, we got plenty of food over here. Would you guys like some food? I was like, that's, you know, it was just so crazy to me oh, that, so that an individual who, you know, is just an ordinary person yeah. felt it upon themselves, like convicted enough to be like, I need to be Jesus to yeah. people. Come on, dude. And I was like, shoot, I am like, I I'm you in that sense of like, you know, I like the privacy. I like the, um, you know, I like when I go home, I like being at home and just like being inside my own, mm -hmm. just being there. Mm -hmm. um, but that was a convicting moment for me. 
of like, maybe I should go out of way out of my way to meet my neighbors and be, and be that person of love. Because I know like when I think of her, I think of her as a person of love. Because she's, she's already demonstrated because she has demonstrated measures of sacrifice and, and measures of, I mean, I guess we can use the world's definition of affection for that. Like she is, she has, um, has shown that she cares and that she's willing to sacrifice. Yeah. And it's like, how can we show that for other people? Right. There's this really pithy saying out there. Um, I think the axiom goes like this, you know, people don't really care how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm. And I do think that there is a measure of truth to that yeah, for sure absolutely. in the context of neighboring. Yeah. Because it, it is, it's amazing. Like our, you know, I, I sat down with someone for coffee this morning and this person reminded me that, um, our, you know, our job is to converse with humans. It's the Holy Spirit's job to convict and convert those humans. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that takes so much of the responsibility off of our shoulders of conversion. We can't convert anybody. Yeah. Right? We can disciple them, but we cannot convert them. And it, it got me thinking along the lines of just how different the ministry of evangel evangelizing is from that, from like ongoing um, friend friendship and and discipleship yeah. and relationships. Because you can you can preach, you can prophesy. In First Corinthians chapter fourteen, it says, "I Paul eagerly wanted everyone to have the gifts of the Spirit." Uh, and that the tongues were a, a ministry between God and the person speaking the tongues, but that the prophecy was a ministry to the church and to the lost. It's amazing how the gifts of the Spirit in our Western modern context are relegated and compartmentalized in a one-hour, two-hour mm. experience together corporately. And then it's almost like we unplug the Holy Spirit yeah. after the Sunday 100%, service. 100% we do that. And it is, it's tragic and we're, we're probably missing out on a lot of great opportunity. Yeah. Because if you choose to follow Jesus, you've really chosen to follow Jesus every day. Yeah. <laughs> Not just yes. Sundays. I would hope so. <laughs> and, and it's just amazing to me the opportunities that we miss. Now, there is obviously a lot of value in being present with your family, especially if you've got young children right. in the home. Like, Absolutely. I, it serves my wife and it, I sacrifice. I, I love my wife by making sure I am home on time for dinner with her and the children every evening. Yeah. That means the world to her and she deserves yeah. my best self. Yeah. And my children deserve my my best self, not my stressed self. But it still is true that we tend to yeah. unplug the Holy Spirit and the gifts that go along with that uh, at the end of a great Sunday morning. Yeah. And then we miss Tammy. Yeah. And yeah. we miss our neighbors to the north. And we miss this. I mean, her name is Beth. She was never going to listen to this podcast. And, yeah. But um, which is really funny because when I first moved in seven years ago. Uh, I put a little Christmas Eve invite in her mailbox and I texted her because we'd exchanged numbers when we first met. And I said, Hey, I just wanted to invite you to our Christmas Eve service. I hope that you can hope that you can make it. And I'll never forget best response. She goes, I've been to the church before. <laughs> As in like here? No, no. Oh, big, big, big C, C church. church or big C church. Um, my needs were never met. That's all she ever, that's what she replied to us. Oh, and like, dude, I just got chills dude. sharing that because that was like seven years ago when I first met her. 
And then, you know, very little relationship. And then seven years later, she's moving. Needs weren't met. And that simple invitation for Christmas Eve, hey, I just want you to know, I put you a Christmas Eve invitation in your in your mailbox. I'm a pastor of a local church on the road. Would love to have you. Oh, thanks for the invitation. I've been to the church. My needs weren't met. I can't help but wonder, man, how many people share that. All because Christians, just like you and me, weren't willing to weren't willing to love. step into uncomfortable space. We weren't willing to love. Mm. Yeah, I mean, missed oh, opportunities. Gosh, I just I hope I have another opportunity with my new neighbors. Missed opportunities. I was uh, Jennifer. Jennifer Baker uh, handed me a book today that she just finished, um, kind of about hospitality and stuff. Um, it had she a, is the queen. Ed. Yes. It had a chapter on um, communion and on like if we reduce um, communion and remembrance of Christ and unity with other believers, if we reduce that to one meal once a week, that's three opportunities a day that you missed. Oh, I love that thought. Yeah. And I, and I just think yeah. it's like that same concept of like, we are missing opportunities every time that we unplug the spirit when we leave the building. Mm. We are missing opportunities every time um, we choose not to sacrifice. Every time we choose convenience over love. Every time we choose comfort over love. Every time we choose fear over love. Every time yeah. we choose anything over love and over Jesus and over the things that he has shown how to do. Like we're missing an opportunity. Yeah. Um. And that's not to like, yeah. you know, yes, that should feel a little bit of a weight. You know, like you, I hope that you feel a little bit of like a, whew, well, like, conviction's a beautiful gift. Like conviction's a beautiful Spirit. thing. Like we, yeah. but we don't want this to be like a shame thing. We don't no, want you like, you know, th there's no reason to dwell in the past and be like, no, wow, I suck. Absolutely. No, the no. only thing you can do is move forward. Yeah. Guess what? Today's a new day. Yep. Like, don't let the past rob you of today's joy Come on. and don't let the future rob you of today's dude, joy. Let's like, dude, say that again. Say that again. Say that again. Don't let the past rob you of today's joy and Dude. don't let the future rob you of today's joy. That was in the message that I was talking about earlier that I listened to today. He said that he was like, he had said, um, joy is always experienced in the presence is in the, in the present. Yeah. Hmm. Um, you know, and it's like the enemy of my joy that I will experience tonight is my expectations and hopes for what tonight will be. Hmm. You know what I mean? And so it's like, um, are depending on whether or not you're like a futurist or you dwell in the past, you know, um, joy is experienced in the present, in the present. So don't let what you want the future to look like or what you're mad that the past looked like. Don't let that affect your joy in the presence, in the present. Yeah. I keep saying presence instead of present. I don't know why. Christmas presents. Presence. Um, but I think the same applies for love. Like oh, don't, yeah. don't let your, your past or don't let your future your fears of the future of like, what if mm -hmm. they think I'm weird? Right. Because I went over to their house. Right. And knocked on their door. Or I got rejected once. Yeah. And so I don't right? like, don't, don't dwell on the past or on the future to yeah. keep you away from loving your neighbor in the present right now, right this second. Absolutely. Like, don't let that, that stop you. And I, I hope that some of our transparency translates into us as a community just offering measures of sacrifice to yeah. our neighbors. And it's just not that complicated. Yeah. Soren Kierkegaard, as wise and poetic and philosophical as he is, really made a point when he said, essentially, love is sacrifice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah. Um, of all the big words that he used, he thought those ones were important. Yeah. Man. Well, to, to close out the podcast, let's just, I, I really want to make sure we touch on this. Um, and I think it fits well with this whole convenience thing and, you know, our tendencies. Um, but like, what is it, what does a sacrificial love look like in a world dedicated to self-care? Um, because I know some of us might be thinking of that. Um, we might have in our heads like, oh yeah, sacrificing love. That's great. Um, but like, I don't want to overextend myself or I don't want to overcommit or, um, I need to take care of myself first. Like, I don't, I shouldn't be spending my days thinking about other people. I need to think about what's good for me. What do I need to keep going? What do I need to be happy at XYZ? Um, so Luke, do you have any, you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, I do have some thoughts on that. Um, and we, we know we did talk about this beforehand, so you had given yeah. me some time to, to think about it. And, um, I just want to offer my, my humble thoughts here. I think that there is a pretty big difference between self-care and selfish care. Yep. And what I mean is that a lot of the times we will exist in a perpetual state of selfish care, but use the disguise of self-care. Yeah. And say it's self-care. And I really think the way to to distinguish the difference of those two realities is selfish care is when you do have the margin and you choose not to engage. Mm. You're trying to guard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think self-care is you don't have the margin and you know you shouldn't engage. Mm. So, okay, here, here's an example. If... If I only celebrate my anniversary once a year yeah, as a married man, it would be pretty unwise for me to attend a church event the night that I promised my wife I would take her out for a anniversary dinner. Mm. To me, that's a measure of self-care. Yeah. Uh, selfish care, on the other hand, is you have a completely free afternoon. And there's a pressing need over here in this community or over here in this church or over here in this person. And you are the best person for the job. Yeah. But you really want your free afternoon. But man, do you want that uh, nap or run or fill in the blank? So I think selfish care is when you have the margin and you choose not Mm -hmm. to. I think self-care is when you don't have the margin. And you choose not to. Yeah. No, that's good. And I think to an extent, you know, because I know some pushback on that would be, well, I need my rest. I need my day off. I need my time. Um, One, that's the importance of Sabbath. Um, But even Jesus said that on the Sabbath, that should not stop you from helping people. That's right. The Sabbath like the Sabbath for man, not man. The Sabbath Sabbath. should not keep you from, like if, if it comes between observing the Sabbath and helping someone in need. Jesus is like, choose helping someone in need. The Sabbath is not a person. It's not happier when you yes, take it. No, like, no. It, and, and so if Jesus, as a Sabbath observer, was willing to say, hey, the Sabbath is holy and is all these things, but it shouldn't stand in the way of loving your neighbor, bro, your afternoon hour of like, man, I just need to, need to take a breath, and someone comes up to you and is like, I need help, that hour, that hour is not, it's not yours. That hour is God's. Mm. It's like, and it also, it comes down to this belief in the lie that, um, 
that energy has to come from that way. You know, in, 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 in ministry, um, vocational ministry, we use the phrase, you know, um, filled up by ministry for ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we don't believe it. Like, I don't think we buy it as Christians. Oftentimes, I think we're often like, oh, I'm always pouring out. And so I need time by myself to get poured back in. And I think that we're, we're forgetting the fact that like God is capable of giving you energy in any way that he wants. (laughs) Like God is capable of filling up your cup in this other way. Like, how do you know that, that going to serve this person won't fill you with so much joy and life because you were sacrificing yourself for someone? Jesus literally said, it's better to give than to receive. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. And so what does it look like of like, man, I really wanted this free afternoon to, to sit and watch TV or sit and do this. And while that's great, you know, there's nothing wrong with, with sitting down for an afternoon. Sure, sure. But if someone, if there's a need that comes to you, I think it would, um, I think it would be a missed opportunity. If you had, of, if you at, had yes, the margin. It would, it would be a missed opportunity out of a fear of the future. Yeah. Totally. Saying I'm, I'm afraid of not being well rested later. Right. And so I'm going to neglect the opportunity to love my neighbor right now. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's, uh, it really is an overvalue on, you know, you really don't need eight hours of sleep. You need about like five or six, but we, most of us like eight, right? Or, I like or 10. More. <laughs> or more. Speak for yourself. I love 10. <laughs> um, but you still do need some sleep. And yeah. so I, I think, I, I agree with you. I think that the, some of the most energetic spiritual experiences I have ever participated in were synergetic experiences. Mm. They were in the company of the Fellowship of Believers. Yeah. And, not but, and there is something about being in the desert for 40 days. Yeah. Dining and communing with God and only God that he fills you maybe with a measure of the Holy Spirit that is capable of withstanding certain specific things that maybe you wouldn't have been able to withstand had you not been alone with God. And so like, I definitely have a high value on that kind of monastic approach of just being alone with God yeah. in prayer. Um, but I agree with you that energy can come from a variety yep. of means. It's, it, I, I came back from California last week. I was in Crestline in the mountains for a couple of days at a prayer summit, and I came back filled up and ready to go. Yeah. And I have also been filled up and ready to go. Mm. Um, because of the company of the synergy of believers, yeah, or of a service project, it's the classic. I got back from the missions trip and I'm high, yeah, right on Jesus or camp or whatever. I'm Ooh. high on Jesus, high on the faith. So I agree, yeah, yeah. So I think that. So what's the what's the big idea there? I think the big idea is um really being wise enough, yeah, well, and, it's, it's, and just not don't don't make excuses, right? It's it's honestly and it's saying it's reminding ourselves, you know, solitude important very important. it is a spiritual practice it is jesus did it jesus did solitude isolation rest. bad yes solitude good isolation bad rest <laughs> and sabbath important yeah. jesus did them and he encouraged people do them yeah but they should never get in the way of loving your neighbor mm. yeah man Come nothing on. like we are overcomplicating it by putting things in front of love yeah 
Love always yeah. comes first, you know. Uh, and love never fails. Yeah. Right? We, uh, we talked uh, about that. Sometime. A leadership value in a leadership class that I took, um, you know, they talked about values and how you should rank your values. Um, so that like, if something is in contradiction with, with the thing above it, the top thing takes priority. Hmm. Right. Um, and they use like Disney as an example of like Disney prioritizes safety. Mm-hmm. They, like, yes, they prioritize putting a smile on kids' faces, but if it comes between like preserving someone's happiness versus like saving a kid from dying, they will choose saving a kid from dying yeah, because smart. that's top. That's the top value, <laughs> yeah. right? Because no one smiles when people die. No, not at all. Um, and so I think that's we should apply the same thing to this. Wow, love is the top priority. Those are all other priorities. Those are all great things, but if they contra, if they come head to head with love, love takes priority every single time. What do you say to the person that is like, well, I'm not really a love person. I'm more of a truth person. Cause I've literally had those people in my life. Well, some of them was very close really? to me. When, yeah. He, this person was very close to me. He's like, I'll just be honest, Luke, like I'm not really a love person. I'm more of a truth person as if the two could be divorced yeah, from one I'm another. I'm curious or like to what the that two, means. It means that this person just loves being right. That's oh. what that means. Ooh. And the, the, but, but love is okay with not being right. <laughs> like, like yeah. a measure of sacrifice yeah. is like, well, whether I'm right or wrong, doesn't matter how I yeah. see you as an image bearer of Jesus. I could be right. I could be wrong, but you still have yeah. value. I'm, I'm willing to give up my need to be right in an argument because I love you. Yeah. That's why I love, that's why I love the combination of grace, truth, or I guess love, truth is like that unmerited favor of grace or that self-sacrificing posture of, of love. It's, it's not in contradiction to truth. Right. It's embodying, it's an embodiment of truth. Yes. It's like a, like the two are one flesh, like a married yeah. couple, like yeah. the bride and, and Christ. Like it's a, it's a one unit thing. Yeah. And that's why, that's why Paul was like, I want you to worship in both spirit and truth. Yeah. Both in like the affectionate affect of love and, yeah. mercy and graciousness and in truth. So don't be worshiping spirits that aren't Holy Spirit. Yeah. So I just think that, you know, sometimes we're just like, well, I'm not really a truth person. I'm more of a love person. Yeah. Well, I'm really not a love person. I'm more of a truth person. Like, you don't know what you're saying. You want someone who doesn't know Jesus to experience the truth of Jesus, embody the love of Jesus. Dude, that's it right there. I mean, I don't know how to say it. Like to me, it's, it, I mean, I say that with a little bit of humor because I have had to grow into that kind of person. Yeah. Like most of us do. Right. But man, that's, to me, that's the deal maker. If you want someone to be open to the truthfulness of who Christ is, embody the lifestyle of love he lived. Yeah. And uh, man, man there's, keep, there's a limitless yeah. to the kingdom. I keep coming back to this, this same, I keep talking about the same sermon <laughs> this whole time that I heard, but he literally, he said this too. Jesus himself very directly, you know, a paraphrase basically says, if you take my truth without participating in my way, you won't discover my life. Yeah. Like if you believe what I had to say, but you don't actually become love, Mm. then you're not going to see the life. I feel like this podcast has like a record number of pithy sayings. (laughs) That's true. I'm really happy about that. (laughs) And slightly like slightly, slightly, man, this is a bummer. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're just a, we're just a compilation <laughs> of, of pithy statements. That's, that's who we are as people. Um, Hey, that's what pastoral ministry is. So, <laughs> oh my gosh, he's kidding. Folks. Yeah. He's um, kidding. it's true. Being pastoral ministry is uh sacrificial love. 
Um, amen. Yes, amen to that. that. I feel like that's a, we've said Man, a lot of good things. A lot of good things. Yeah. So grateful. Yeah. For this time. It's really great. If you have questions or things you want us to talk about on this podcast, please let us know. Um, you can do that by going to the media tab on our website at mercyroadnw.com. And on our website, you'll also be able to find more details and information about our community. And you can get a hold of me or Luke directly as well via email if you just go to the staff page and look us up there. So thanks for joining us, and we will talk to you again soon. Because the, the world can get organized. The right. world can put on sweet events. The world can actually serve the poor just yeah. fine. Yeah. The world can do almost everything the church can do, but they in do, the world's name, not in Jesus's yeah. and name. And they do do those things. They do do those things. Do do. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to apologize for Nick's immaturity. We were both thinking it. But you laughed we- <laughs> before I did. Um, the... the <laughs> snorting <laughs> I don't there's no recovery there's no chance we can either completely start over or just pick it I don't know where to go back to